this morning and worship with us here at Faith Bible Church. This is essentially a back to church Sunday. The mission of Jesus was to come to this earth to die on a cross so that we, being unworthy, could become worthy because of what Jesus did. Several of you might know that we celebrate essentially Christmas, which is the birth of our Savior Jesus, but then also we celebrate Easter. And at Easter, what we're celebrating is essentially the death of Jesus on the cross and then his resurrection from the grave. And in that resurrection, what it means is that Jesus triumphed over sin and death so that anyone who will place their faith and trust in him can have eternal life. It's a message of grace and it's a message of mercy. And what we discover is, is that grace is a free gift. It's essentially given to all of us. Mercy on the other side is different. If I were to come to you and I were to be essentially caught driving down Main Street at 90 miles an hour, what would happen? Essentially, I'm going to get caught for speeding and we know that there are cameras around and it's going to be evidenced by the fact that there's Trevor, there he is going 90 miles an hour. And so the just penalty of me going 90 miles an hour down Main Street is what? Probably losing my license and maybe some jail time. That's what's just. But mercy is that even though I'm due that just penalty, the judge says, you know what? I'm going to forgive you. You're free. And with that analogy, we discover that even though we're guilty of sin, and even though we're due the just penalty of being set apart from God, Jesus dies on the cross so that we might receive grace and mercy and have eternal life with him. And that's essentially the mission that we see with Jesus. Jesus came to earth to do that for us. And now, according to the scriptures, after having done so, he is seated in heaven by the right hand of the Father. And there is going to come a day when the Father turns to Jesus and says, it's done, go collect your bride, which is the church. And the church is essentially the individuals that are sitting here, as well as in other congregations around Panora and around the world that have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And at that time, we will be with Jesus in his kingdom. So this morning, what I want to do is, is I want to talk about how individuals reached out to Jesus, how they got to Christ, but then also for us that are believers in Jesus, an encouragement for us not only to engage our community, but to take time to invest in those who may feel that they're not worth it. What's happening in Matthew 20 is Jesus and his disciples have had a long time of ministry They've essentially spent time in Jericho, which is a city that Jesus is ministering in. Jesus has wrapped up what's going on, and he's on his way, essentially, to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is a city that is the religious center of Jesus' day. 
Essentially, in the task-oriented aspect, Jesus is moving closer to his mission, which is to go to the cross and die upon it, so that you and I will have eternal life. And as they're leaving, this situation comes up, and this is where we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. This is a story where two blind men receive sight, and this is what it says. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they said, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. I love this story because it's short, but yet it's so full of meaning. It's so full of who Jesus is, and it's such a great story for all of us to reflect on this morning. We asked this question earlier about, I barely have time for myself. Why should I care about the needs of others? And as we listen to this story, we discover that Jesus too was busy. He had his mission. He had finished what he was doing in Jericho and he was moving forward to Jerusalem. He had a crowd around him, an entourage for lack of a better word. And then all of a the sudden there's this interruption as many people would see because we discover the crowd looks and says, why are you bothering with these two? And yet what we discover is these two blind men cry out to Jesus and they say, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And so the first thing that I want to talk about and encourage us in is essentially this. Those who the world might cast aside, those who the world might think aren't good enough, just might be the one who sees Jesus the best. I love this story because there's two things that are going on here. Number one, these men are physically blind. They cannot see. And so they cry out to Jesus for their sight so that they can physically see the world. But at a deeper level, there's something going on behind the scenes. And what's going on there is essentially the message is being proclaimed to the world that says, okay, all of you who can see physically, all of those who can see the beauty around us, you're spiritually blind. You're missing who I am. You think you know what religion is all about, but yet you're missing the Savior. And so in this two-part message, what Jesus is doing is he's not only healing these individuals physically so they can see, but later on in the story, we're going to discover that he has healed them so that they can see spiritually that Jesus is the Savior. And why do I bring this up? In Jesus' day, culturally, those who had physical ailments, those who were blind, were viewed essentially as people that had been bad or wrong or weren't good enough, that the gods of the world had something against them. 
And so culturally, they were cast aside. They were seen as not good enough. They were seen as dirty people. And the religious people of the day walked right by them. And the reason that I bring that up this morning is some of you might be here today and you may not necessarily be physically blind, but you might feel like you're not worthy of being in church. And what I want to tell you this morning is I don't think it's coincidence that you're here. I think it's God's providence. And what I want to tell you lovingly is, is that all are welcome at the cross of Jesus Christ to cry out and say, Lord, have mercy on me, son of David, so that I might receive my sight. All of us, all of us that are here this morning have either entered through that means, crying out to God saying, Lord, I'm not good enough, but you are. Have mercy on me so that I might receive my spiritual sight, that the blindness or the scales of my eyes might be removed so that I might see your mercy and grace. And ironically in this story, I've said earlier that those who the world's cast aside, those that were physically blind, that all of the people said, you know what, don't bother with them, just might be the ones who see Jesus the best. As we look in this story, what we see here essentially is two individuals and they cry out as Jesus is going by. They say, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And so if you are here this morning and you're wondering and you feel like you are blind or not worthy what I want to tell you is this, simply cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Help me to receive my sight. And what I love about this story is in the busyness of what Jesus is doing, in the task that he had, he stops and hears the cries of these individuals. And what I want to tell you this morning is if you're crying out to God, I promise you, that Jesus will stop and hear your cry. He will not go on. He will not pass by. He will not say that you are not worthy. But he will come and he will say, what can I do for you? But what I also love is it has already been done. Jesus has already gone to the cross and died upon it. Jesus has already risen from the grave, triumphing over sin and death so that we might have eternal life. And all we need to do is to cry out to him and say, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it interesting that oftentimes when we move toward Jesus, when we take a step of faith toward him, life gets harder, not easier. And as we follow in this story, the next thing I'm going to say is this. Don't let the grumblings of the world keep you from seeing the grace and mercy of Jesus. In verse 31, after these individuals cry out to Jesus, what happens? Do they say, oh, okay, let's stop. Let's go ahead and take care of these people. No, the exact opposite happens it actually becomes inflated or more challenging. 
The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. I don't know about you, but I wonder if that's sort of a nice way of putting it. And so this morning, you might be sitting here crying out to Jesus, and the enemy might be making it harder for you. You might have friends or family or individuals who are coming and saying, don't worry about that. Or you might have someone or a voice in your head saying, you're not good enough. Why are you here? And what I want to tell you is this, is that when the crowd tries to rebuke and says, be quiet, may I lovingly encourage you, shout even louder. Shout even louder. And say, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And God will hear you. Do not let the grumblings of the world, do not let the teachings of the world keep you from seeing the grace and mercy of Jesus. And when it gets harder, when people turn and cry out and say, be quiet, sit down, you're not good enough, don't bother, don't listen to that religious mumbo jumbo, what I want to tell you is this, keep going, keep moving. Keep asking, and God will stop. The next thing that I want to tell you is this. We see, essentially, that Jesus has a decision to make. And that is simply this, to hear the crowd, to listen to what they're saying, to agree with them, which would be the popular thing to do, which is what so many people in this world do. They go with what's popular, what's new, what's right as they see it. And yet what Jesus does is he goes completely countercultural and he stops. Jesus stopped. And I want to pause there because sometimes we read that Jesus stopped and we move forward. But I don't know about you, but if I was that blind man who had been rejected by society, who had been cast aside by society, not because of what I had done, but because I was physically blind, and crying out to a God that would have mercy, and to continually be told by the religious system, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you shouldn't be here. To hear about this individual Jesus, and in desperation, just say, Lord, have mercy on us. Can you imagine what it must have felt like when Jesus stopped? And turned to them and said, what do you want to do? Or what do you want me to do for you? Some of you this morning might be in that similar situation. And what I want to tell you right now is Jesus will stop He wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And all you have to do is essentially is turn to Jesus and say, open my eyes, Lord, so that I might see. And he will. So friends, that's the first aspect of this. But also what I want to tell you, for those of us that are in Christ, may I encourage us with the next aspect of this story and that's simply this, like Jesus, 
May we take the time to stop and invest in others. Some of you right now might have friends or family or a coworker or someone that God has put in your life. That isn't by coincidence, it's by providence. And lovingly, what I want to ask you is this, are you too busy to invest in them? Are you too concerned about what's happening with you to where you're not taking the time to invest in their cry? Jesus stops and says, what do you want me to do for you? Friends at Faith Bible Church, my encouragement to us is if God places someone in our life who's asking spiritual questions about the Bible or asking about Jesus, may we have our radar up to stop and invest in them. Now please hear me, God is the one who does the work. God is the one who saves. But he uses the church, you and I, in Jesus Christ to be an extension or an ambassador for him. And so lovingly, what I want to encourage us in is, is that as we go into the community, and if God gives us the opportunity to speak spiritual things to individuals, that we would stop and take the time to do so. One of the things that I love is Billy Graham, several of you might know him, in a, essentially a commencement speech of graduation at Wheaton College, on his 50th anniversary from graduating, says this in a message that he entitles, Today's Investment, Tomorrow's Return. He says, you can't count your days, but with Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you can make your days count. You can invest whatever time is yours for a high-yield return in the lives of people whom you introduce to Christ. Right now, you can decide to invest your life in such a way that someday you will hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. And so lovingly, friends at Faith Bible Church, I ask a question of you. What will you invest in? Will you invest in yourself and your own prosperity? Or will you heed to the cry and the message of the gospel, which is to go out and be salt and light to those that are in need? In your busyness of life and traveling from your Jericho to Jerusalem, which we all will do, if God puts someone in your path who cries out and says, Lord, have mercy on us, will you take time to stop? Will you take time to give them the gospel? Will you take time to love them as Christ loves them? Even if, not even if, but when, the crowd around says, don't bother. It's not worth your time. And what I want to tell you personally is, I once was blind. I once was blind and I cried out and I said, I want to know Jesus. And lovingly, I praise God that individuals were willing to stop and invest and take the time so that I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so what I ask of us at the church is, will we do the same? Will we heed to what is being described in the scriptures? We will, will we hear the message of Billy Graham? 
and where we take that time when God gives it to us to invest, even though it might be challenging, even though the world might say, why are you bothering? Like Jesus, may we take the time to stop and invest in others. Jesus stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. And what I love is this, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Now interestingly enough, I don't know that these individuals recognized what they were about to truly receive. Because essentially in this, they got a two for one deal. And what I'm going to tell you is they got the best two for one deal that there ever was or will be. These individuals cry out to Jesus and they say, we want our sight. We're blind. We want to see. We want to see the world around us, which is amazing in and of itself. Imagine someone who can simply go and touch someone, someone's eyes who are blind, and then all of a sudden they see the beauty of God's creation around them. That's deal number one. But the two-for-one deal that Jesus gave is this. Not only did he give them their sight physically, but he gave them their sight spiritually. He touched their eyes and he said, you will receive your sight. And so they see, but now they see. And friends, what I want to tell you is, is that when you cry out to Jesus, not only will he hear your concerns and your worries, but the best deal of all is when you cry out to him, those who were once blind, which are all of us, now see because of the grace and mercy of Jesus. And that's a joy and a privilege for all of us to hear. But the other thing that I want to encourage you is this, with is this. I want you to notice essentially how Jesus approaches them and then moves forward with them. Does Jesus look at them and say, why are you bothering me? What's going on? Leave me alone. I'm too busy. No. Does Jesus look at them and say, just tell me what you want. Let me get it done and then I'm out of here. Let me just finish what I got to do. No. In verse 34, we read that Jesus had compassion on them. Friends, we worship a God who is a God of compassion, a God who cares, a God who wants to hear what our hurts and our pains are. And lovingly, what I want to tell you is simply this. Look to Jesus who has compassion and remember that. And friends at the church... May we model Jesus and have compassion on those who have a need. May we not look upon them with judgment. May we not look upon them as lesser individuals. But may we look upon them as individuals who have been created and made in the image of God who need to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And may we be thankful for the compassion that God has given to us and then may we extend that compassion to those who are in need. That being said, we look and we see in the verses earlier, 32 and 33, like Jesus, may we take time to stop and invest in others. But also, friends, like Jesus, as we invest in others, may we do so with compassion, mercy, and grace. May we look to those individuals who are need, in need of Jesus Christ. May we love them. May we recognize their spiritual blindness. 
And as they cry out, may we look to them not in judgment, but may we look to them with mercy, grace, and compassion as Jesus has done. Interestingly enough, we see this. Those individuals who were blind don't miss this last part in the story because they easily could have gotten the here and now. They easily could have said, Jesus, we want our sight. We just want to see. And Jesus stops and says, okay, let me touch you. And then they see. And they could say, Jesus, this is amazing, wonderful. Thank you so much. Now we can see. Hasta la vista. Leave us alone. We're going to go our own way. You did what we needed temporarily, and now get out of here. But what do they do? They turn and they follow him. They follow him, and don't miss that. The reason that they follow him is they've just discovered the undeniable, irrevocable, unattainable, by your own, love and mercy of God. They've just discovered that you don't have to be someone who's perfect. You don't have to be someone who does all of these things in order to hopefully get to God. No, you can be the lowly. You can be the one who's destitute. And when you turn to God and you cry out to him for his mercy and grace, Jesus stops and says, what do you want me to do for you? And may we remember that it's already been done. May we remember that as this story continues, Jesus goes to the cross and accomplishes his mission, which is to die upon it so that you and I can have eternal life when we simply cry out like these blind individuals have said, Lord, have mercy on us. And we receive our sight. I love how this is stated by Brian Chapel in Holiness and Grace. Friends, when we have discovered the love, the mercy, and the compassion of Jesus, it should compel us, it should drive us to go and love others in Jesus. He says mercy stimulates the gratitude that is the only enduring motivation for effective Christian service. Friends, I serve not out of obligation, I serve because of the grace and mercy of God that I have received and continually receive each and every day because I guarantee you, those of you that know me, I am far from perfect. Yet I worship someone who is, who loves me in my high moments and loves me in my worst moments and every day in between. And that is the God who we serve. And that is the God who calls out to us today. And that is the God who wants to have a relationship with you today. Brian Chappell continues on and he says, Gratitude recognizes the love that never fades. Friends, in this world, oftentimes, because we are temporal, love might fade. We might have been hurt by someone that we knew, someone that we trusted in. But what I tell you is the love of God the love of God that is displayed for us, it never fades. It is always there. It is always reaching out. And you can always hold on to it at your highest and lowest moments. Because that's the God whom we worship.
and it restores confidence in our eternal relationship that is the one and only true source of Christian power. Friends, I know over these last several months, the world has been quite different. None of us in February of 2020 recognized or knew that we would be moving forward to a global pandemic. And however or wherever that's played out in your life, I think we all recognize that things are a little bit topsy-turvy right now. But what I want to tell you is this, that when we see the mercy and the grace and the love of God and the love and compassion that is there, the fact that we worship a God who will never leave us, it encourages our hearts to recognize what we have as an eternal inheritance. And that is the kingdom of God that will be ours because of what Jesus has done. And so with that, my encouragement to all of us is this. What are we doing to advance the kingdom of God? Are we taking time to invest in those whom God places in our path? Are we taking time to reach out to those who are crying out, saying, Lord, have mercy on us? And so in this two-part aspect, what I want to tell you is this. Sort of the underlying principle that's in this passage is, is the simple idea that oftentimes the religious people of the day that think they see God the best are actually the ones who are spiritually blind. But yet those who are blind are the ones who understand and get Jesus. And so friends, what I want to tell you is this. Church isn't about religion. It isn't about do's and don'ts. It isn't about coming to church, although that's a good thing. We do so because we worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But what it's about is about a relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus. It's about understanding and knowing who He is and recognizing that He wants a deep, personal, and intimate relationship with you. And when we go and we cry out to God for that, we receive it, just as these two blind men received their sight and their sight. But also for those of us that are in Christ, those of us that know Jesus, it's also a message to us saying, what are we doing? Are we looking around? Are we taking time to invest in those who have come forward and are crying out, asking those spiritual questions? Or are we too busy to invest in them. And more important, as we invest in them, as the world tends to maybe beat us down or tends to tell you it's not worth it, are we going to go that second step like those two do and say, I want to know more about you? And then like Jesus, are we going to stop and invest in, him, in them? Or are we going to move forward saying we're too busy? And when we do, when we do, I ask this, how will we do that? Will we do that with the same compassion and mercy and grace that is displayed by our Lord and Savior Jesus? Or will we do so out of frustration, out of anger, or out of a sense of entitlement or betterment? And with that, may I encourage all of us, before we go and do so, may we remember that all fall short of the glory of God and need our Savior Jesus Christ. With that, I want to read to you the words out of Ephesians 4.32, and this is a model that I want to encourage us in as we go out and reach the world for Jesus, as we invest in others. May we do it this way, 
as noted in Scripture. May we be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Friends, this morning we've seen this story. We've seen a beautiful story about Jesus taking time to invest in others. We've seen two individuals that thought that this was a Hail Mary pass, that this was the last chance that they had. They had been rejected by society. They had been cast aside, seen as worthless. And here comes this individual, and they essentially say, Jesus, have mercy on us, not knowing exactly what's going to happen. And Jesus stops and invests in them. He gives them sight. But not only does he give them sight, he continues to move forward. And the biggest investment of all is this. He completes his mission. He goes to the cross, enduring its shame, enduring its pain, enduring its ugliness, enduring its humiliation, enduring its difficulty. So that each and every one of us this morning, not only here, but around the world, can say, God, thank you for your mercy and grace displayed at the cross for me. And lovingly, I tell you, when we see that mercy and grace, it changes our hearts from self-gratification and self-fulfillment to selfless action and a desire to reach the lost. And so may we do so with love, mercy, compassion, and grace. The final thing that I want to leave you with, it's sort of the wrap-up of this idea and this message is this. Many who the world might cast aside often are the ones who see Jesus the best. Therefore, May we, with compassion, mercy, and grace, take time to stop and invest in the needs of others. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you this morning and thank you so much. Thank you so much for who you are and what you have done. Thank you for an opportunity to gather around in a public place and proclaim your word. Thank you for all of the individuals who've taken the time to make this event happen. And thank you for all of the individuals who have come. Father, may we recognize that all are welcome at the foot of the cross. God wants a relationship with all of us. And so I pray, Lord, this morning, if we feel that we are those blind men that aren't worthy, that aren't good enough, that we would recognize that in Christ we are. May we cry out to you and say, Lord, may we have your mercy and your grace. And may we realize that when we do, as we see in this story, Jesus will stop, has stopped, and has already done the work that needs to be done, which is going to the cross on all of our behalf so that we might have eternal life. And Father, for those of us that are in Christ, May we not just take our Christian faith and use it for ourselves, but as we are called, may we take it and go out into the world, investing in others with compassion, mercy, 
and grace. Father, we thank you. We love you. We pray all of these things in your name, dear Jesus. We ask it by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, amen. If you're able, would you be kind enough to stand? We're going to sing our closing hymn. And then we'll conclude with a prayer afterwards. After service, man, we just invite you. We've got coffee, donuts, a time of fellowship. You are more than welcome to come. We'd love to get a chance to chat with you. Also, thank you so much for coming this morning and being part of Hope is Here.